In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hey, everybody, welcome to Inside the Man Box. I am Rick Fry. And we're going to start off with some business. This podcast is brought to you by Oneness Ministries, grace based, hope filled, spirit led counseling and life coaching. Go to our website at oneness-ministries.org. Also, by Marshall Fencing, the premier residential and commercial fence company in the Oklahoma City metro. You can contact them at 405-691-1191 or just drop by and see them at the 9513 South Shields OKC. You guys sit through that very quietly. I'm trying not to cough. (laughs) You can cough. Or I just choked my drink. I'm trying to burp either. So. Yeah, yeah, you can do okay. You can do both. This is inside the man box. I'm okay. Those things I, are allowed. We, we do it, men do. That's right. We make Our, really bad noises. <laughs> <laughs> and go. the women aren't here to complain about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So my guest today is Brian. I don't know your last name, Brian. <laughs> my name is Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson and Travis Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> the short memory stuff mm-hmm. happens at this age. Again, I'm, more men stuff. That's right. <laughs> I'm delighted to have you guys here. I've already done an interview with Travis. That let's see, did that air this morning or next week? I don't know. I was looking for. I thought you were probably waiting for. No, I'm going to air yours, and then we'll. This one won't come out until December. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, you guys both. I, I'm trying something today that's that's pretty scary for me. Sweet. I don't have any notes. Yes. Uh, I typically have a. 25, a list of 25 questions that I ask when I do these interviews. And it got to be where I paid more attention to the questions than I did to the interview. And on these podcasts, if you listen, they will give you, the people you're interviewing, interviewing will give you the next question. So we're just going to launch. I like it. And I'm, I'm all for free range free, podcasts. It can be dangerous with Brian and I, though. Well, I like danger. To a degree, as long as I'm sitting in this chair behind a microphone in a building. (laughs) Bring it. Yes. (laughs) You guys were both in the military. Mm -hmm. We were. Brian was in the uh, Army. I I spent 22 years in the U.S. Army. U.S. Army. Retired back in uh, 2013. Mm -hmm. He was a major. Oh, I know. How do you guys get along? We don't. We, the, don't. <laughs> we tolerate each other, but we don't get along. Because Never liked him. I have a I have a really good friend who was a colonel in the army. He was a ranger, and he hated Marines. 
<laughs> uh, you know, there there's a a a love hate relationship there uh, that probably goes back all the way to the very founding of both of our branches of service. Yeah, and you know, the army likes to uh, pick on the Marines. And then we have to explain ourselves what we mean to the Marines because they're just a little slow sometimes. <laughs> they don't use crowns. Yeah. <laughs> so it's and, hard for uh, us to understand. Well, this guy says if we want to send people in to die, we send Marines. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I've, I've had the privilege and honor of, of serving with a whole bunch of Marines in, you know, three separate combat tours I was in. And, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, yeah, we, we give each other a hard time, but I, I, I wouldn't want to have anybody else by my side. You still than, got your back. In the Marines, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they've, uh, yeah. they've, I've had several occasions where, you know, it was the Marines that pulled my butt out of, you know, unpleasant situations. And so, you know, I probably wouldn't be here without them. Yeah. And after, especially like now, that's always there. But when you're in, and now it's strictly just, in, in jest because I, I see what we have in common now mm-hmm. the same struggles the same the same ideals the same we're, we we're the same yeah so now I can uh, sit down with a guy in the army or navy whatever um, especially I mean, any MOS or job but especially combat MOS mm-hmm. and we're the same yep so it's it's a wonderful thing to it be is. able to sit there and talk and help each other and love on each other and um Well tell me how you guys met. Brian Travis, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this when I was struggling <clears throat> pretty bad. Uh and everyone was um coming around and trying to make me help myself mm-hmm. and Brian was just sitting over in the corner. <laughs> Hypothetically, uh, I knew about him. Um, he called me once and said, when you want help, call me. And then just kind of was there, but never, while everyone else was trying to make me fix change. you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, finally, and I called him and I said, I'm ready, but I'm not going to do what you said. I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I said, okay. <laughs> what else could you say? Go ahead. Yeah. But thankfully, Brian took so long to help. Um, I gave him a hard time because he was he was around for a long time. I just just never accepted. Um, <clears throat> but finally, I went to. Let me ask. Let me interrupt you. Mm-hmm. Th- this hesitation to go to somebody that um, is not chasing after you to fix you. Mm-hmm. Did that become a pride issue? I have dealt, I think it, this was all at a subconscious level. Cause I noticed people doing it with me also a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I have just, we learn from example usually. So I do, and it, what's, what's what works. So I do it like Brian and my sponsor, my people, I don't chase people, but I'm very serious and, the things that I suggest are the things that helped me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not quite ready inside, if I'm not quite ready and I know this person is no nonsense and they're going to help and they're going to expect a lot from me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that attractive when I'm not done wallowing around and whining and, but you don't understand. So when I know, there's someone that knows what they're talking about, mm-hmm. 
and is going to call me on my crap. Um, I didn't consciously think of those things, but that's what it was. Were you ever a whiner? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, and I had my own, uh, you know, I had my own struggles. Uh, I, um, you know, the, the short story is, is when I came back from the invasion in 2003 into Baghdad, uh, you know, I, I was commanding uh, an artillery battery and, um, you know, I came back different. I didn't think so, but everybody around me said you're different. And I was like, oh, malarkey, I'm not different. You used the word malarkey? I, <laughs> I, I probably didn't use that word. I probably used something a lot more uh, colorful. Colorful, yeah. Um, but, you know, as I reflect back now, I, I was different. I, I was angry. I was hurt. I was, uh, I was shut down. And that started a journey of mine uh, that eventually led me uh, 11 years later into uh, substance abuse treatment center, which is where, you know, where I work now and how Travis and I actually met. Um, you know, my final, my third and final deployment, uh, I was commanding an 11-man team on the Iranian border. Uh, and emotionally I was just, uh, I was, I was, I had enough, um, you know, people ask me, you know, well, what was it? And I don't know if there was one simple single event. It was just, you know, like compound interest. It just kept kind of building and building and building, uh, all kinds of little stuff, um, and some bigger stuff. Uh, and so, um, I had some injuries and I needed to have some pretty significant surgeries on my spine and my spinal cord. Uh, I had been, I went temporarily paralyzed for a little while, I was in a wheelchair, had to learn how to walk again. But all during that stuff, my um, abuse of prescription pain medication just ah. kept getting worse and worse and worse. I see. And, 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 and even before then, I was already starting to consume more alcohol than, than you know, is reasonable. And I was just trying to numb out all this stuff I was feeling. Uh, but it just kept getting worse and worse and faster and faster. And I was finally medically retired in 2013. Um, you know, I had uh, just come out on the promotion list for lieutenant colonel, something I'd, I'd worked for for 20 years. Uh, a short period before I was actually supposed to pin on lieutenant colonel. Uh, I got stopped uh, driving under the influence, uh, and that ended my uh, ability to get promoted to lieutenant colonel, and it effectively ended my military career. Wow! Um, because I was no longer going to be able to be an effective leader because I had done something that you know we're not supposed to do. Right. But the truth of the matter is, physically and emotionally, I was already broken to pieces anyway. You were done already. I was done already, and I was just trying to hold on, you know, with everything I had. So I, uh, you know, I retired and uh, my, everything just, then it kicked into overdrive. I just started falling apart really fast, lost my identity. My marriage was falling to pieces. Uh, I was isolating. Uh, and I probably was within, you know, 12 months or less of probably just saying to heck with it and just killing myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know that for a fact, but 
knowing what I know now and seeing the trajectory, that's probably what would have happened. So, uh, sorry, you know, the short story, the, the long of the short, um, I ended up being given an option, you know, go get help or go out on your own and keep doing what you're doing. By my your, wife, my, my your wife, yeah. my wife said, I'm not, we're not going to, I'm not divorcing you, but I'm not going to watch you and me and your three daughters or my, your three daughters and I aren't going to watch you destroy yourself. Mm. So I went to Rob's ranch and it profoundly changed my life. Um, and that's where I, in my opinion, I truly met God for the first time, uh, was on my knees crying, just saying, I'm sorry. That was August 24th, 2014. Not uh, that long ago. No. Six years. Um, and so that started me off on a journey of um, serving God mm-hmm. uh, as my most important thing on the face of this earth. Were and you a Christian before that? I, I was in name. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like. Uh, you too? You know, it was in name. You know, yeah. I tell people I'm a Christian. Oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I'd go to church every so often. But I was still living in my will, doing it my way. Yeah. You know, like a good analogy I heard was, you know, I had a I had a Oklahoma City Thunder jersey, but I didn't play on the team. Right. But I was like, yeah, I'm a Thunder. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a I was a fan. Um. And so, you know. Through that journey, I decided, you know, hey, I want to go help other men who struggle with me, especially veterans um, who have gone through or been, you know, going through what I've been through, et cetera. Um, And so I went back to school and did did all the education stuff I needed to do to get my master's in psychology and clinical counseling and... uh, Again, another thing by the grace of God, I got offered a position out at Rob's Ranch where I actually went through. Mm. And now today I'm the clinical director out there. Wow. And, um, you know, get to help other men. And, and, and that's that's how Travis and I came to know each other um, was through that process. So it wasn't so much of a short story. but <laughs> Well, no, that, it was a great story. I, I, I want to go back. Because I I want to I, I want to spend the bulk spend the bulk of our time talking about Rob's Ranch and I, I went to the website and I read your bio and you weren't there so <laughs> um, when you go into the military they st- spend a lot of money to make you stop thinking and start reacting to circumstances or reacting to. Um, the danger that you're going to be put in. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, the, the official term, the clinical psychology term of it is, is acculturation. They, they are, you know, they're getting you to think, act, perform in a culture, in a manner in which exactly like you said, it, to go and do things that are absolutely counter to the basic fundamental needs of the human being, which is survive. Yes. And so through, you know, the ugly term of it is brainwashing. Yeah. Nobody likes to use that term, but that's the the street name for brainwashing, but it's acculturation. So, you know, and I'm glad they do that. You have to do that in order to do the job that you need to do while you're in the military. Right. And the military is the, the U.S. military is the best at what they do. Uh, hands down, as far as getting a person and shaping a person to be able to override that 
that primal sense of I need to survive right. to go do the jobs that the military is required to do. And I'm grateful for that. The downside is, is when you're done, they don't replace it. They don't yeah. put you back to the way you were and they shouldn't. That's, that's not their business. You know, I want, I want them to focus on doing what the military is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, again, this is just my opinion. It's people like me and Travis and other people out there. You know, I think we have an inherent responsibility to help the others uh, get to where we're at, um, who are, you know, currently where we once were. Mm-hmm. So the military, military can focus on what they do. It, it's a, it's a love hate relationship. Sure. Um, so, but yeah, absolutely correct. The, you know, they, they spend, you know, I spent 22 years overriding my basic senses of survival to go do the jobs that I, I needed to do. Can you put a number, obviously estimate on how many guys come out of the military and are where you two guys were? A lot. (laughs) Uh, I don't have any official numbers mm-hmm. you know like they say all you know 87 percent of all statistics are made up on the spot yeah. so, <laughs> so, you know i don't have a number yeah. but it's way 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 more than what most people think yeah mm-hmm. um the the thing you know the cases that we know those are just the public ones yeah and, that's, I, and i would say there's more that are unknown you've also that exist got the aspect of when substance abuse is involved it's a lot more obvious later that someone's got a problem Mm -hmm. some of these guys are struggling through misery and maybe aren't don't have the bug or whatever you want to call it the disease of of alcoholism drug abuse and they're just miserable Mm -hmm. and um so with that i mean there's a lot yeah. And it's an identity issue coming in, back into society today mm-hmm. um, where you don't, you're not special anymore. You're not important anymore. Yeah, you talked about that last mm-hmm. time. I, I, I really want to talk about this, but I have one more question. My wife's dad um, stormed the beach at Normandy mm-hmm. and wow. survived. Um, I have no idea how anybody could do that. Uh, I just don't. I just have no idea how you can get out of a vehicle and run across sand with things exploding all around you. The way he dealt with it is he never talked about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, you know, my my wife said I had no idea what he went through until after he had died, and his brother told me. He, you know, he got a bronze star for doing that. Um, he's just. Five foot one guy running across the beach with a weapon probably as big as he was, mm-hmm. but he survived. Where hundreds or thousands of guys didn't. Is that one way guys deal with it? Is they just bury it in their head? Yeah, uh, and I think it's also generational, in the sense of that generation. It was it's a whole different societal norms and stuff. You know, you don't talk about stuff, et cetera. <laughs> but clinically, yeah, that's one way that, that a lot of people deal with trauma is they try to avoid it because it's so painful and unpleasant. And, and one of the ways of avoidance is you just don't talk about it. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I often kind of chuckle at times, uh, and Travis and I've had conversations about this before 
you know, the guys who are constantly talking about all the stuff that they did probably really didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Yeah, probably really didn't do yeah. it. And, and so when we every once in a while get around circles and you got a guy who's, you know, talking about all this, you know, stuff they did and, and all these heroics and stuff, again, the, the likelihood that that's actually the truth is, is a lot slimmer than um, – than you would think. Does anybody ever call those guys out? Um, most of the time, no. Yeah. Except guys that are around Travis and I, <laughs> we're really good at saying n- n- no. Uh, the right time. And the place. right time and place. Yeah. 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 Um, but for the most part, well, most people don't know. I mean, the military right. is such a small percentage of population. Most people don't know, and they just assume, uh, you know, that what somebody is saying is is 100% factual. And there's no reason for them not to no. think that. No. It's just another one of those things where most veterans can see through the nonsense. Uh, we know what is real. Most of it, I'm not 100%, but we can kind of see through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people don't know, and that's okay. Um, they take it at face value, which which they should. Yeah, yeah. I have no, I have no point of reference for knowing whether it's true or not. Right. Yeah. One of the jokes that we have is is uh, everybody's a, a you know special forces Navy SEAL. Uh, I've never met anybody that just said, "Oh man, hey, I was just a, a really good cook." Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody I run into is you know ranger. Yeah. I'm, I was a ranger. Well, yeah, like, they you know they were all everybody was on top secret missions. Like I do for an example, I do have a a good friend who was a SEAL, Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. and we went to eat, and the waiter. This kid was going to join the military, and he comes up talking to us. He's like, what'd you guys do? And I was like, oh, I was in the Marine Corps. He's like, oh, awesome. And my buddy's like, I was in the Navy. He's like, oh, that's okay. That's, okay. that's cool, too. <laughs> and I wanted to be like. And this guy's, <laughs> a, this guy's a legitimate SEAL. Yeah, we, I was like, this guy's cooler than I am. We know. Say. We vetted him. He's, yeah. he's, 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 he's no kidding. Yeah, yeah he's the real He dude. just sat there. He didn't. Yeah. Uh, guys like that don't. I mean, they don't have anything to prove. They've I done know. everything. That's the, yep. Yep. And that's why the people that usually I, I watched interviews with uh, Lone Survivor um, Marcus Latrell. Marcus Latrell. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy. He just doesn't care mm-hmm. whether you like him or not. Or mm-hmm. he has nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that stuck out with me in that interview is the guy interviewing asked him, "When did you give up hope?" And he goes. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know where you saw in that movie a place where I gave up hope. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I wasn't the guy asking the question because Marcus Luttrell became scary at that point. <laughs> so anyway, um, we have a lot of guys who come out of the military who can't deal with new life. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we reach the, how do you reach these guys or do you let them reach you? Oh, I mean, it's, I think letting people know that we're available is kind of frustrating. But then at that point, I mean, I was talking to a majority of the guys I talked to, one veteran, one non-veteran just recently, they, they want help calling. They're in the whining phase and then I make suggestions and mm, no, not that. I don't want, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's the, we don't reach out and chase those guys because you don't do any good, but letting people know that we're here and we know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to get the word out more that I'd like to talk to veterans that are struggling. 
um, I know what it's like, and that's why <clears throat> telling your story at certain events, like um, I take a particular 12-step meeting to um, a detox, a Veterans Detox Center, and just telling my story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see guys come in like, oh, it's another one of those meetings I have to go to, and you can kind of see as I'm explaining my experience them kind of look up and start making a little eye contact every now and then. And you're like, you know what that's all about. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, like through it, something that I'm talking about. And then they open up kind of, and they, you can see them, the body language, they're not sitting there with their arms crossed anymore. Um, that's the most efficient, best, I mean, best way. I never called an 800 number on a card that someone gave me. I never, um, I never really, because you get a bunch of, oh, if you need help, call this 800 number and we'll connect you now or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, not that that's a bad thing, it's people trying to help. But when you tell your story and what is going on, you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. And you can, people know that. And people, when you, there's certain things that you say that you wouldn't know unless you went through it. And they sense that. Um, and, you know, and I think one of the struggles that, and Travis and I have talked about this a lot as well, that we have is not everybody wants to get better. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the biggest things that happens when somebody hangs up the uniform for the last time is they lose their identity. <laughs> I mean, I had a title. I had a uniform. I had stuff all over my uniform that identified, you know, schools or combat actions or units I served with. Or, you know, it my whole uniform told a story without me even opening my mouth. And so I had an identity, you know, people called me, sir. They saluted me. They, they, they followed what I told them. They had all this stuff. Well, the second I hung that uniform up, it was all gone. Well, I joined the army when I was 19 and I got out when I was 41. I had, I had no idea who I was because I had invested everything into that life. Well, there, so you lost purpose. Yeah, I lost a purpose. Yeah. Definitely lost a purpose. But then there was another identity that sprang up. And that identity was the angry, irritated, PTSD, disgruntled victim, combat veteran. That became a new identity. Mm. I could go around because I hated, I, I hated civilians. I, I really did. I had such contempt towards the civilian population because they didn't know what we went through. They didn't, you know, they were off enjoying their Christmas and Thanksgiving dinners while we were out there, you know, eating sand and getting shot at. And so I had a lot of contempt towards the ungrateful civilians mm-hmm. is how I looked at it. Yeah. So it was real easy for me to latch on to that angry, dysfunctional, disgruntled PTSD veteran because that gave me an identity. And if I was to go and get better to deal with the anger and to deal with the hurt and to deal with the PTSD and to deal with all of that, if I was to go do something about that, that means I got to give up that identity too. Mm-hmm. And that wow. was scary. That is, yeah. And so, and I was like, well, what, who am I going to be now? What am I going to be? Um, and so you have individuals out there that don't want to get better because then they don't have an excuse. Uh, they don't have a title. They don't have the, you know, they can't get all the, you know, the stupid T-shirts that say, you know, dysfunctional veteran on it. You know, 
I'm medicated for your safety. You know, some of those things are the stupidest things I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Mm. And, um, you know, they're all just for attention because that's an identity. And this is something that I deal with on a very, very uh, frequent basis with individuals that I'm working with. And it's not just veterans. There's other people out there that do the same thing. Um, but like Travis said, some people get to a point to where they're just sick and tired of being miserable. And that was my point. I, 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 I was tired of hurting. I was tired of nightmares. I was tired of being angry. I was tired of waking up angry. I was tired of going to sleep angry. I was tired of having to rely on some kind of chemical so I could sleep and not just blow up on everybody. I was just tired of hating being alive. And I was presented an option. You can go do this and get better, or you can stay in misery and die. And it was as simple as that. And I just, for whatever reason, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so I did something. You used the word victim. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that means. The victim mindset of you guys don't understand me, what I went through. You don't understand. You weren't there. You, uh, that's one of Brian and I's catchphrases. You weren't there. You weren't there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All these things of a victim. It's an excuse that's comfortable, and it it gives you justification, I think. Personally, it it doesn't, it's not real, but it makes you feel justified in how you're acting, what you're doing. And you can honestly use it to manipulate a lot of people. A lot of counselors, a lot of people sometimes. You don't know, and they don't. They weren't they weren't veterans until you get a combat veteran as a counselor like I did, and he's like, okay, so what? Yeah. You weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's so the victim mindset that just said settles in. And that first identity he was talking about gets taken from you. Yeah. That second one, you've got to willingly give up. And that's That's pretty good, Ben. I never thought about that. Yeah, you got to give that one up. Yeah. And it's hard, and it's hard to get the new one in Christ and who we are. How close to normal were you at when you were um, in your misery? How close to normal was that behavior pattern? It it just is all I knew. You know, know, as far as looking back on it now— in reflecting on my life back then in my, in the way I thought and everything, I was like, Oh my goodness, I, w- I was anything but normal. Yeah. Um, but to me it felt normal because that was just the way I thought I was. So my mindset was so ingrained in the way that I, you know, learned in the military and I had to function in the way you talk. I mean, we have our own language, we have our own acronyms, we have our own everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally a whole life. And it's supposed to be. You yeah, had, it's supposed had, to be, yeah. It has to be. And I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And, but Until you get out. Until you get out. And then I, I, I could not assimilate back into society. I, 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 I couldn't do it. I tried. And I put on a good fake front. But I couldn't even talk the language. I couldn't even, I couldn't even complete a sentence most of the time without using the F word. Because it just becomes such an ingrained vocabulary word in my lexicon, I it, just normal. I never realized how grotesque that sounded until I finally was, you know, went through my own process of changing, and when I finally surrendered my life to Christ, 
um, you know, how disgusting that type of language sounds. You know, my poor wife and three daughters were subjected to that, they're, you know, for the majority of their life. So normal? I mean, I was anything but normal, but, uh, you know. To introduce something else didn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. It it, uh, it was like trying to learn how to write with my left hand. Yeah. We're not normal for that. I mean, as far as the veteran community now, unfortunately, that's relatively normal. Without, I mean, the not to the extreme, I don't think, but the disgruntled, angry, upset, lost. Just it's like it's made its own. It's like it's cool, mm-hmm. you know, to be. I mean, there's you know Facebook pages, there's there's T-shirt lines, there's everything you know that talks about disgruntled veteran memes, yeah, memes <laughs> and all that stuff. And there's you know, as to reiterate, I mean, there's people that that is their identity, and they hold on to that. And there, and I know one gentleman that I've worked with who's in his seventies, and he just won't let it go. Wow, you know, and he hasn't served in fifty years. And he, he just won't let it go because that's his identity. And I go back to scripture, you know, where it talks about Christ gives you a new identity. Exactly. And, you know, that's what he's done for me because I was willing to give up the old identity. And when I finally just hit my knees and I didn't even, I didn't even do the standard prayer of, you know, you know, God forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart. I accept you. I didn't even do that standard prayer. I, I did before, but when I, you know, I didn't really mean it. But, you know, my prayer at that moment was just literally on my hands and knees crying. And all I said was, I'm sorry. That's all I said over and over. I'm sorry. And it wasn't for one thing, it was for everything. And for me, that was my moment. And since that moment, everything has changed to what, to me, is what's normal now. It sounds like you came out of a birth canal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly like Scripture talks about. Yeah. You know, my I and I remember this, too. I was sitting there one day, and I'd heard Amazing Grace a billion times. And, and that particular line talks about uh, was blind, but now I see. I was like, oh, well, you know, they're talking about, you know, Making the blind man see. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not what they're talking about. No. no. I was blind, but now I see. Yeah. And I was like, duh, in which I get. Yeah. So, you, what about your transformation? Mine was not one, <clears throat> I'd say within about a week, I noted, I mean, I was, I was done. Uh, when you I say had, done, you mean close to I ending had, your life? Or? No, that was before. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when I think last time I talked about uh, some veterans breaking my back door. No, oh, I mean, right. I had relapsed. Yeah. I learned a lot about myself the first times, and I, I was trying really hard. But that's not what works. I hadn't surrendered yet. I was trying really hard to be good and do what I was supposed to do. They did good. Um, like a good Marine, <laughs> but I, it didn't work. I it was, relapsed. It was a performance. Yeah. yeah. I relapsed and pouted and got the ultimatum again from wife and everyone. And I knew, I just knew, um, 
I, from what I learned, I knew that it worked and I knew I had to do it. <clears throat> and I remember I went to detox. There was a nurse there who, I don't know if I said this last time. You did. You told me about it. Yeah. That. But uh, say it again, please. Her husband was in the Marine Corps and we started talking the same MOS, same areas of Iraq as made just a few years before. And I asked about him how he's doing now. And she said, uh, he came home and had issues with drinking and took his own life. Um, and for some reason it hit me. Uh, she's here. Like God has set this whole, this, this certain time up. Um, she was in a good place with it. Cause she sat on the other bed in the hospital room. And I said, my, we were just crying together, but she was encouraging and you know, you, you can do this. And, um, all of that. I remember going back to the ranch <clears throat> and I just remember sitting in the first group and I didn't care what any of the, my first time there, I was trying to be the funny guy and have the show and make people laugh and had to have people like me and all of that. This time I, I didn't care. I really didn't. I just started bawling. Like uh, I knew I was going to do everything I didn't want to do. I knew I had to do it. I knew I was going to get up every morning and go talk to God and read and pray and meditate and all that. I, I just knew I was going to do it all. Um, I don't know when the exact moment that happened, but I did. I got up every morning, went to the chapel, prayed, and God taught me a lot and all that about my feelings and a lot of things. So within about a week there of detox, it probably happened when I was really drunk, the moments where I don't remember it. But there was some, sometime a moment happened when I just was like, okay, uh, I'm done. I'm, I got to do this. And I was surrendered. I realized, I don't remember when it exactly happened, but I remember when I realized I was surrendered. And so, and that's one of the things, you know, you use that term surrender. I know. I challenge that a lot. Go ahead. In the military, you, yeah. you know. You don't surrender. You don't surrender in the military. I mean, our, our mottos, our sayings, you know, all everything is you will not surrender. You will never quit. You will never do anything. And so this, this, this idea of surrendering to to God, a guy I don't physically see like I see you, mm-hmm. you know, I don't audibly hear like a conversation that we're having right now. This this idea of surrendering my life and my will and everything that to that, mm-hmm. no, 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 that's not what we do. We fight, mm-hmm. and you know, I never understood what it meant to just let go. You fight or die. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what people are doing. Yeah. And in yeah. this, with this, it's if you fight, you die. Yeah. You know, I, and, and it makes it. Oh, that's good. It's it, really it, good. Everything about, for, at least for me, everything about God, everything about the, everything is a paradox. It doesn't make sense when you can't see it. It sounds like crazy talk. I used to make fun of people like me. Mm-hmm. I used to go, oh my God, look at another little Bible thumper. Mm-hmm. Crazy, stupid people. You know, they were the crazy talkers. And it, because it didn't make sense to me. And today I'm like, oh, gee, look, I'm a, I'm a crazy person today. <laughs> you know, I'm the one doing the crazy talk. But I get it. Yeah. Give up to have strength. I mean, that. And the, you know, again, no one of the paradoxes is, is, the more I surrender and just let go, the stronger I feel. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't make sense. Yep. That's how I know it's real. 
it's it's been the most it's been the craziest exciting uh, wonderful journey so far awesome you know it, it wow. it's just it's 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 crazy yeah. let's talk about rob's ranch give me a a brief history about this organization so rob's ranch is um there was a gentleman by the name of Dick Liddell, one of the most uh, genuine, selfless, uh, God-loving servant of Christ I've ever met. And he had a son named Robbie Liddell uh, who struggled with substance abuse and ultimately died as a uh, re- result and effect of just years and years and years of substance abuse. Well, they started a place called Clay's Crossing. It was Robert Clay Liddell, Robbie Clay. They, they started a place called Clay Crossing back around 2000. So they could help other people like Mr. Liddell's son, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, because Mr. Liddell had the means and had the ability and the companies and everything to do that. Um, and so after Robbie passed away, uh, I believe... Um, I don't remember the, the year. It escapes me right now. Um, the Liddell family was devastated, and he didn't want anything to do with, you know, substance abuse anymore. But in a very, very, very short period of time, he realized, no, this is what God wants him to do, is to help other men so other families don't have to go through what his family went through. So in 2010, they started. In, they they had sold the treatment center, Clay, Clay Crossing, to somebody else. But 2010, they started another one again called Rob's Ranch, now for Robbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it started in 2010. It is a, a Christ-centered, male-only, 90-day uh, residential treatment facility. Uh, we make no, no hesitation at all that Jesus Christ is who we serve, mm-hmm. but we don't force it on anybody. We're not walking around, you know, trying to throw holy water on somebody or, you know, hitting them on the head with crosses and, you know, we're not doing any of that. We all we simply do is offer uh, Christ's grace. When he's the, <clears throat> sorry to interrupt, real fast, because this is important. There are some places that beat people with it and force them. At the ranch, they live their lives as an example of who Christ is in them, Amen. and put it out there for people, and just let them decide. So, I you know, I I share my testimony with people. The other counselors do as well, uh, and yep. we, we all of them all of them come out of abuse. Yeah, and we 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 let our life be the witness, <laughs> you know, be the testimony of of Christ. Um, so you know, we answer questions when we know the answers, and if we don't know the answers about something, I'll say I don't know, but well, let's go see if we can figure it out together. You know, we've had pretty much every religious religion that you can think of come through there you know some you know people who were uh, muslims and we've had wiccans and we've had satanists and we've had agnostics and atheists and and other pagan stuff and i mean we've pretty you know jewish we've had every religion okay yeah fine this is what we believe in and this is what we're more than happy to share with you if you want if not it's your choice that's that whole free will thing mm-hmm. um so <clears throat> You know, Rob's Ranch has now been in existence for over 10 years. Um, 
and we haven't changed. And, you know, everybody that works at Rob's Ranch, except for our pastor, is in recovery from some type of substance abuse. So now not only do we know what we're doing clinically, but we know from personal experience what we do. So we don't just say, oh, yeah, I know what this is like. We know what it's like. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, you know, kind of the brief history with it. So Rob's Ranch is a place where a guy can go to learn and if he wants to, freedom. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. You know, we do, we, we use psychoeducation, meaning we teach people about the disease of addiction. Mm-hmm. And that even, just even calling addiction a disease sparks argument with people. Sure. Some people think it, oh, it's just a freedom of choice, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That like, we could do a whole nother show just on that. Maybe we should. <laughs> but uh, you know, we teach them about the disease of addiction. Mm-hmm. We teach them about recovery and the steps that you can follow and things that you can do. Actionable things. Mm-hmm. We use the twelve-step model, uh, which I think every human being on the face of this planet, if they were willing to do the twelve steps, their life would unbelievably be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just what the way I look at it is 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 substances are just the symptomology of an underlying psychopathology mm-hmm. is, is the geeky mm-hmm. clinical term for it. Well, the 12 steps are, it's a biblical process. Yeah, it's a biblical process. The, the 12 steps come straight out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's, I, it's how to have a relationship with God and live a godly life, which mm-hmm. I didn't know because from sitting in church as a kid and hearing all the Christianese, I, okay, cool. Like, and then you got a whole lot of pastors today at very big churches around who are great orators. Yes. Motivational speakers. Yes. That's awesome. Oh, powerful. How do you, how? How do you do it? What's the practical application? How do you, how do you get there? Yeah. And I'm not smart. That's why the 12 steps was great. Because well, all I had to do was go <laughs> this, this, and this. And if I did it with as much honesty and earnest as I could, it works. Yes. It works, but there has to become a point when the structure, um, which is the 12 points, is a structure where the structure is becomes obsolete and you just live in the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's part of, that's like the 11th step. Oh, okay. Through prayer and meditation, which for me, meditation is being quiet and trying to grasp the reality of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. So through prayer and meditation, I don't really believe in me telling this. Um, we're basically, uh, I don't have a big audience anyway, so don't yeah. worry. <laughs> we're, the 11th step is we're keeping our spiritual muscles open yeah. and worked out and we're keeping our relationship with God going. <laughs> it's an everyday step. 10, 11 and 12 are everyday steps. Yeah. I, you, you hear people go, you know, oh, you're, you know, you're working your recovery program. I, and I get it. I understand why people say that and that's fine. For me, I'm no longer working. This is how I live. It is born again. It is a new way of living. It is a new idea. This is just how I live. (laughs) You know, there's a structure there. And like Travis said, 10, 11, 12, there's things to do. But it's just how I live now. (laughs) There is no work to it. It's living. Now, now there there was work to get there. Yes. And I have to do things to maintain it. But Travis and I have talked about this a lot. It's just how we live. 
one of the the second part of well, eleven is a two like sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, seeking only the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Mm-hmm. Or ask, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, did I jump all that a little bit? I don't know. Maybe that's sounds great. Um, that's it in reality. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, well, the key to that is the power to carry it out through Him. Through him, because you've already proven that you can't do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's. I tried. Thing. Yeah, so all of us have. I might. I might have had brief uh, success. Yeah, but it was not sustained success. Because you can't sustain it. You can't sustain. That's it. the point of grace. That's right. You can't sustain it, and God spent five thousand years of the Old Testament proving that you can't sustain it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, and that's the whole purpose of the Sermon on the Mount. You say this, I say this, you can't reach that standard. Right. That's why you need me. Yeah, and it's for today. Jesus, not me. But. Yeah. Right. And I still can't maintain it. Nope. But I try. You know, there's in our literature that we use, there's this, you know, the statement of, you know, it's not spiritual perfection, it's spiritual progress. So I'll never be perfect at it. I mean, if I was perfect here on earth, I wouldn't need God. That's right. And, but it doesn't mean I can't continue to try to get better. Yeah. It, it gives me, you know, I, I, I get excited today. It's, again, this is that crazy talk again that makes no sense. But I get excited that I get to try and get better. That is the key word is now you don't have to. Right. You get to. I, get to. I want to. You want to. Yeah. And as and you experience it, it becomes more real to you. Yeah. And especially as you get down to those, the last steps, the daily steps. The step 12 starts with having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Yes. If you honestly do 1 through 11, you're going to be to the part which is having had a spiritual awakening. You're, you're going to, it's going to be what you want at that point. Okay. Define for us awakening uh well it's when god when god becomes real to, to me i mean I, guess, I don't know it wasn't just i know that i know now yeah and before it was like i hope i hope yeah. he's real but now it's i i just know so you said it a while ago yeah you know, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead yeah i was gonna say for me it's like what we what i said i I all of a sudden could see, mm-hmm. you know, as I was awake, I could see, awake. oh my gosh, you know, oh, <laughs> I get it now. Yeah, you are awake. I am awake. I, yeah. I wasn't just, you know, I was no longer a lemming, just going through, you know, this insane world and and trying to live by the world's standard and the world's rules. And, and I use this a lot with, um, people I work with, you know, my standard bearer changed Mm -hmm. before my standard bearer was the world and society and, and all of its craziness today. My standard is God's standard. And if I'm doing the best I can to meet that standard, nothing else matters. And, and I again, I see. I think the awake, awake. the awakening comes when you start to believe what God says about you, 
is more true mm-hmm. than what you think about yourself. Exactly, or what the world thinks about or you. Or what the world thinks about you. I mean, it, does, it doesn't erase the things I'm, that no, I'm, I'm remorseful for, yeah. the things that have happened. But I realized that I was a lost person mm-hmm. trying to make it. Yeah. And it was doing a horrible job at it. And today, yeah. you know, I, I know that solely because of God's grace. Uh, I'm still not perfect. I still sin probably on a minute by minute basis, just by thoughts, but I'm not a, you know, but yes, we do. But that means that the cross worked Mm -hmm. and that those sins aren't held against us. Mm -hmm. I confess I did this, but my confession is, is that what I've just done is not consistent with who I really am. Right. And confession is just agreeing. God made me, you used, I'm not the word not perfect, but he did. He made me perfect. I don't live that perfection because I'm in this earth suit. Right. I think for me, like Paul in Romans 7, you know, when he talks about doing things that he doesn't want to do and not doing things that he does want to do and a thorn in his side. I'm like, oh, that's me. You know, (laughs) I, I, but I think those thorns are important because it yeah. keeps us dependent. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I don't want to. I, I like, like Paul said, hey, I'm, I'm glad I have this thorn because yeah. it, it allows me to continue to be uh, dependent on God. Do you think you'll ever get to the place where you can say what I experienced after I came out of the military was a gift yes. to get me to where I am now? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm already there. Are you? Uh, I don't. I don't regret a single minute in the military. There's there's stuff that I wish I didn't have to I didn't have to experience. I mean, I wish I didn't I wish I wouldn't have gotten a DUI and lost my promotion to lieutenant colonel. I mean, that one still kind of hurts a little bit because mm-hmm. I worked, you know, 20 years for that. Mm-hmm. But I was already in such a mess by the time that happened. I mean, I would have been ineffective as a leader anyway. Um and so that one still kind of stings. I still have some of that earthly pride, but I don't regret any of that in the sense that without all of that, it wouldn't have just crushed me and humbled me to my knees to where I'm at today. And there is nothing in the face of this planet, nothing that I would trade for what I have today. Nothing. And I'm not talking about houses, cars, or like that. Sure. I'm talking about just you know, a peace that surpasses all understanding in my heart. Mm-hmm. My friends, you know, I Travis and I have honest conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to impress him. He's not trying to impress me. He calls me about stuff that's most people wouldn't talk to other people about and vice versa. There's no judgment. I trust him. Um, that's really awesome because it's also Christ in you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yes, to answer your question, I'm already there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of things that I'm ashamed of. Sure. But I do not live in shame. Mm -mm. I do not. And that's a weird, you can't fake this. You have to experience it to, people are like, well, how do you let go of things? How do you, a guy last night, how do you just let go of stuff? How do you just do this? I'm like, you start with step one because he's an alcoholic. Like you got, you start with one and you go through the process. Mm-hmm. You can't just 
okay, I'm going to choose to let go of this without any of the other stuff. I got to give my life to God. I've got to start to reach out to him. I've got to, got to get to know him. <laughs> That's how you start letting go of stuff and realize who you are in him, the reality of who you are, and let that feeling fill you and know. And that becomes my motivation now to do everything else. Amen. I, I guess there are instances where God does flip a switch and you no longer are that. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, we're in the process. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm in the process of, and I, I love the thought of this, is that when I was saved, I became sanctified, and now I'm in the process of trying to understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. what does it mean to my daily life? It, Progress. It, yeah. yeah. And, it, and there's there's days that I'm really spiritually in tune yeah. and feel it, and then there's days where I get sucked back into the nonsense of the world. And that back and forth, back and forth is continually going to happen, in my opinion, mm-hmm. until I finally, you know, am no longer physically alive here on this earth and I'm in heaven. Mm-hmm. Then I know it will stop. Yeah. But until then, it's going to continue. I don't necessarily like it, but I'm okay with it because it, it's, it's the journey. It's the journey. That's the journey. Yeah. And, and I know at the end of the day that, you know, my destination, even though I don't understand it, that's another thing is, is I always had this mindset of I have to understand something before I can believe it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't understand Noah and the ark. It doesn't make sense to me. The Jonah and a whale, Moses partner. That doesn't make sense to me, but no. that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. And more importantly is I don't have to understand it to believe the grace of God. Right. And I'm, Completely okay. I mean, I don't understand quantum physics, but they tell me it exists. <laughs> it's it's not just a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a law. One yeah. of the first things that God taught me this time around was in the chapel at the ranch early in the morning. That's because I was mad at him. And they always told me if you're mad at him, tell him he's big enough to handle it. Uh and I think I told the story last time, but his words it was a clear thought in my head and it was as i was telling him about what i felt i didn't feel him i was mad your feelings are not my reality yeah and that goes so deep into yes. so many different things but that still will hit me sometimes mm-hmm. that okay i may be frustrated i may be scared i may be this or that i mean through candy's cancer stuff whatever not his reality my feelings are a human feel that Sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they're not, but they're not his reality. And I can change those and affect those. So it's a big deal. Yeah, that makes emotions um, neutral. Mm -hmm. And isn't it a good feeling when you go, oh, yeah, I'm not giving this to God. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, oh, okay. I remember when (laughs) the first time Brian, he got tired of listening to me on the phone. He's like, just call me back when you're ready to let that go. <laughs> what? what do you mean? Okay. And I hung up and I remember being like, oh, okay. I think I called him like three minutes later. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> One of the funny things is, is there's a lot of people out there that may or may not have called me a jerk. Uh, <laughs> and Let's use the right, a dick. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've used that one a lot. Not just. In fact, I was just called that earlier this week uh, by an individual. But I'm not. I'm not. You know, professing that I I know everything, but I do the best I can to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And people don't like to hear that. And people look at it as as you know you're being mean or rude. Mean. You're and, being mean. You know the the. The cemeteries are filled with people who are dead because somebody didn't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. And I don't want to answer to God, you know, oh, I'm sorry, God, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And and so... What well, if you do it in a tactful way? Yeah, I mean, I and I don't... I look, I you know, as a, as a therapist, I look at motivation a lot. What's somebody's motivation for what they do? Mm-hmm. And I do the best I can to make sure that my motivation is never to hurt somebody, yes. even though sometimes the things we say can be can hurt. Um, and so I, I've never tried to ever hurt anybody, because um, I think the motivation behind what we say is very important. Well, you're a pretty crappy counselor if you're worried you're going to hurt people's feelings. Yes, <laughs> yes, and and I you know I was told that in early uh, school that. You know, if if your clients don't ever get angry at you, then you're not doing your you're job. You're not doing your job. I mean, I've had guys walk out and then call me a couple of days and say, "Okay, you were right." Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, and I've had people, you know, year, two, three years later, come back and say, "Hey, man, you know." <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, we could go two hours. Oh yeah, easily. Um, I want you to come back. Absolutely. I think this message is crucial. I don't know how many military guys will listen to this, but maybe because you were, the word will get out and they can hear about this and they can contact you. If somebody wanted to contact Rob's Rants, how would they do it? Uh, Easy way for phone number is 405-253-3838. You can find us on the web. Yeah. Uh, by Googling, you know, robsranch.org. Uh, we have Facebook. Um, you know, if somebody wants to talk to me directly, you can call that number or send a message, and, and they'll give me the message, and I can contact them that way as well. Is there a place on your website where people can donate if they decide they want to do I that? I think so. Okay. I think, yeah, yeah I think there, there is. Uh, I, got t- I got banned from there because of the virus, so <laughs> candy, uh <laughs> Candy. Uh, That's what we told you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is still there. Yeah. No. Um, I found ways to sneak in still. Monday, I'm sneaking back. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, there is ways. Candy found a way on the internet through their website. So Okay. Um, and also, people can call if they don't want to call. A, I mean, whoever's going to answer the phone at the ranch knows that they're someone else in recovery, and they care about people. Okay. It's a damn shame that a lot of that majority of that industry is about money the ranch is an exception in that it's yeah. not about money it's, it's not, not about money but you got to keep the lights on yeah i mean we got we got to yeah. function but yeah but it's not about money no no what we do is not about money right and i would like if they want to call me uh if anyone is struggling i mean my number is 405-306-4279 i answer all my calls because I also like to mess with telemarketers. <laughs> so I I answer every call. Okay. And if it's someone that needs help, I'll talk to them. Yeah. And I guess if the, you know, the uh, uh, 
kind of a challenge that I, I leave off with people sometimes is if the way you feel emotionally right now is the best it will ever get for the rest of your life, are you okay with that? Yeah. And if you're not okay with that, then what are you going to do about it? Because it's ultimately because of that gift of free will that God gave us. It's ultimately our choice to decide what we're going to do about it. That is absolutely the truth. And so, uh, you know, the difference between those that make it and those that don't is because there's some people out there that will, and there's others out there that won't. He's good. I, I need to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Podcasts at streamgrace.com. That was the wrong button. You got a boing one on there? Yeah. It's supposed to be music playing. Thank you, guys. Thank this, you for having me. This is awesome. I enjoyed it. Yes, I did too.